Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, go down to verse 16. It says this, so Obadiah, Obadiah was the king's assistant. It says he went back to the king, to Ahab, and he told him, and Ahab then went out and met Elijah. Basically, he told him, hey, we found the prophet you've been looking for, and he's over here, and the king goes, I'm going to go meet with him. And so there, the, the king goes to meet with Elijah, and it says that when he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Right. The king goes, you're the one that's been troubling me and my people. Isn't it funny that when somebody doesn't tell you what you want to hear, all of a sudden you don't like them? (laughs) Can I get an amen? amen? Right. You want some people around your life that always tell you yes. You want some people in your life that always tell you, hey, God's going to bless you. God loves you. God is good. And and it's okay. But but sometimes we need somebody in our life to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Cut that out. Hey, you need to repent. Hey, you got some sin in your life. When you go back to tell him, I mean, just real conversations with some friends. You know what I'm talking about? A real friend won't just tell you what you want to hear. A real friend will tell you what you need to hear. Can I get an amen? amen. Became really quiet there for a second. And the king goes, you're the one that's troubling me. He's not troubling him, but he was telling him the truth, right? Verse 18, Elijah says, well, I have not made trouble for Israel. Elijah replied, actually, it's you. It's you and your father's family. You have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and you followed the Baals. Baals were all the false gods. One, the main one was called Baal. And then it says, now summon the people. Look at what the prophet says. I want you to call all the people from all over Israel to come and meet me on Mount Carmel. Not Carvel, Carmel. (laughs) And bring 450 prophets of Baal and bring the 400 prophets of Asherah. In other words, there's 850 false prophets in the land. And they all eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20, so Ahab, he sent the word throughout all of Israel, and he assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people, and he said this, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. All the people meet on the mountain, all the false prophets. Elijah, the man of God, he stands up before the king of the false prophets and he says, Hey, how long are you going to waver between different gods? And it says, Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us, he says, and let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it in pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will also prepare the other bull and I'll put it on the wood and not set fire to it. Then you can call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. He is God. I love this story. Such an interesting story. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament The prophet says, okay, you're here. You've been following these false gods. I I want you to set up an altar, put a bull on it, and I want you to call on your God, Baal, or whatever his name is. And if he answers by fire, then your God is the one true living God. I'm going to set up an altar over here, and I'm going to put a bull on it as well. And I'm going to call on the name of my God. And if my God answers, he's the one 
and true living God. I mean, this is a showdown about to happen on a mountain. I want to talk to you out of this story for the next few moments. If you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. I want to talk to you out of the subject. There is a war. There is a war. Let's talk about that for the next few moments. And then I do want to finish uh, service with worship. Is it okay if we worship a little bit again at the end of service? Let's worship a little bit and ask God to move in this place. I really believe he's going to speak to us today. Come on, let's close our eyes, bow our head, and ask God to speak. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace, for your awesome love. God, thank you that we can gather here together uh, as a community, as a church. God, we pray that you would have your way in us, God. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Thank you for the amazing day it's already been, and God, thank you for what you're about to do. I pray for every person that walked in, perhaps, for the first or second time. I pray that you would open up their eyes, lift up their heads, that they will see you, God, for who you truly are. Have your way in this place. Encourage those that are discouraged. Help those that are fighting any kind of illness, temptation, something in their life. God, we know that in you, we always have the victory. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people say, oh, come on, all of God's people say, can we give Jesus a big, big hand? Come on, a big, big, big hand. Come on. Amazing. I I really think that the human mind and the human eye are two of the most interesting, intriguing, and complex things that God has created. I mean, they are really awesome. They're amazing. When you think about the human eye, how crazy is how the eye functions, how it captures, how it focuses. I mean, you think about the most modern camera that man has made and it still can't even match up to the human eye. Like God has just made something amazing, right? And just think about the human mind. Even if you don't have physical eyes to see or can't see, or you're limited by your vision, by your eyesight, the mind itself, it is said to have an eye because with your mind, you can draw up an imagination and you can visualize and you can picture things and and you can see something. Come on, anybody thankful for your imagination? Come on. Imaginations has built amazing things. Come on. The imagination of Steve Jobs invented the iPhone. Anybody grateful for the iPhone? Android users, this is not your church. If you have an Android, this is, I'm just kidding. I promise you I'm kidding. Maybe not. Um, but imagination has done a lot of amazing things. What you see, what you can imagine with your eye or with your mind, it's pretty powerful. And they're both amazing tools that God has given us. But, but I do think that sometimes we need to consider a little bit what we're watching or what we're thinking about. Because what you see will consume what you think. And what you think about constantly will actually then turn out to determine who you are. What you see will determine what you think, and what you think will determine who you are. What are we watching? What are we looking at? Because it is powerful when the eye and the mind begin to work together. What consumes our thoughts? What consumes our vision? What consumes our imagination? This is why so much advertising money is spent trying to get our attention, trying to get our eye. Come on, how many know that every time the Super Bowl rolls around, nobody cares what two teams are playing? What does everybody care about? Commercials. Come on. I think Doritos commercials are the best. Every single year, Doritos always has the best commercials, right? People spend up, companies spend up to $1.5, million for a 30-second, 60-second spot just to get my attention and your attention, 
right? They want to they get our attention. They want to get your eye. They want to get your imagination. They want to get us to visualize something because if you can think about it enough, then you'll go out and you'll say, you know what? Actually, I do need a new car. That car looks amazing in that car. You know what? I do need some Doritos. I haven't had Doritos in a long time. I do need some Doritos. And you'll go to the store and you'll buy yourself some French fries or some soda or some Doritos or a new car or a new wife or a new husband. Hello, that's wrong. Uh, but you'll do anything you can because of some commercial that you saw and it stayed ingrained in your mind or in your eye because it's such a powerful tool. And I just think that we're living in a day and age where we are inundated with ads all over the place. Buy me, get me, shop me, you need me, get me now. Hello, go to the store. I'm on special right now, right? We are on, you get on Instagram and now there's ads on Instagram. You get on Facebook and there's ads on Facebook. We use them as a church. Now there's all these things, right, that are popping up everywhere. You drive on the, on the highway and it says, your wife is hot. Call this AC company. Have you seen that? Come on, there's ads all over over the place, right? People are, are just trying to get your attention. And all of a sudden, human beings, we watch everything. And all of a sudden, it feels like we want everything. And if we don't have what everybody else has, then we're frustrated and we're upset. We watch everything. We're like, I got it. I want it. You think about it long enough, and all of a sudden, you would want what you see. We're like little kids. I'll never forget when my nephews were really, really small. If you have little kids, you can relate to this, right? When, when my nephews were really, really small, I would go over to my parents' house where the, everybody would just go to meet up and hang out. And I, I remember there was times where there was like a million toys all over the living room, right? Like a million toys just spread out everywhere. It looked like a war zone. Like you can't even walk. You're walking. It looks like you're about to step on a mine. It's not a mine. It's a Lego. How many know it's the worst thing to step on? Come on. That, that's some in real, real serious pain. And my nephews, they were just like that. They would pick up one toy, and they were having so much fun with this toy. But if anybody else picked up another toy, it's like they've never seen that toy in their life. And all of a sudden, they were like, mine, mine, mine. And they would drop the toy that they had in their, life, in their hands, and then they will come and grab the second toy. And after a few minutes, somebody else or their brother or cousin would pick up another toy. All of a sudden, they, they're tired of this toy. Now they want that toy as well, right? And they were going from toy to toy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just like pick a toy, sit down for six hours, and enjoy one toy by yourself, right? But they want every toy. If we're not careful, this is how we are as well. Right, Our eye and our attention goes from one thing to another and all of a sudden one thing doesn't satisfy enough and so we are distracted constantly by things trying to get our attention and our minds and our eyes are constantly saying, well this, what I have now, it's not good enough. I saw this, I want this now and it has my attention and if we're not careful, it's going to have our affection as well. And all of a sudden we'll be giving our worth, our time, our attention to things that shouldn't have it because we're distracted by it. And all of a sudden we are giving our worth or our worship to things that shouldn't be worshipped. And so we need to be careful because we shouldn't be worshipping something that's not even worth our time. So there is a war for our attention. And if you're not careful in this war, you are going to be distracted. And you better be careful what you worship because what you contemplate will consume your mind and then consume your soul. In other words, what you behold, you become. What you see, you'll eventually be. So what's your mind on? What are you thinking about? What are you constantly thinking about and saying, oh my God, I got my eyes focused on the purpose and plans of God for my life. But there's a new coworker in town and he or she looks pretty good and I was focused on my marriage, but it's broken anyway. So this new person has my attention. Or now there's this new illegal opportunity to make a lot of money, but it's a lot of money. I'll get to heart for the house with it, God. But, but now I'm distracted by it. And if I'm not careful, the target that I had on mind is now forgotten about. And I've given my attention and my worship to things that are not worth worshiping. Wow. 
And so there is a war for our worship. There, there's a war for my worship. There's a war for my attention because the enemy, what he wants to do is to steal worship from God. That was his plan from day one in heaven. God's not worthy to worship. Worship me. And so he'll distract us with anything else to make sure that God ultimately doesn't get to worship. There's a war for our worship. This is what's happening in 1 Kings chapter 18. The people of God have turned from God. They love God. God brought them out of Egypt years before, and they were worshiping God. But, but they're now in the new land, and the new land came with new gods. And it's very easy when you go into new territory to pick up the gods of that territory. Right. All of a sudden you're around stuff and you're around people that are worshiping certain things. So you feel like I have to worship these things, too. Maybe you're here. and You're like, that's not me. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's me as well, because we spend all our days all going through Instagram and Facebook. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, my God, this person just put pizza for lunch. I want some pizza. And if we're not careful, we're picking up the false gods that somebody else is worshiping because everybody wants to put their highlight reel on social media. And all of a sudden, we're like, well, wait a minute. The neighbors just bought a brand new car. We need a brand new car, too. Baby, I'm tired of this car. Maybe it's just two years old. I know, but I can smell it. It smells like two years. I need a new smelling car. Come on. There's nothing like the smell of a brand new car. And so if we're not careful, all of a sudden, we're picking up the false gods that everybody else is picking up because we're living in a land full of false gods. And we're living in, in a place, that's why the Bible says that we're aliens. We don't even belong in this place. So while we're here, we have to be careful what we worship. And so we're picking up false gods. And all of a sudden, everybody has the latest iPhone. And so we want the latest iPhone, right? I just got it, by the way. It is awesome. But <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm in this fight with you, right? But, but, <laughs> but, but, but if I'm not careful... It will consume my heart and my mind. And if I'm not careful, this is all I want. I want to have the latest and the best and what everybody has. And, and sometimes what we need to do is just, is just be careful and watch our heart. This is what, what Elijah is basically telling the people. You picked up all these gods and you've forgotten about the one true living God. In fact, because they've forgotten about God, he says there's going to be a drought for three years. And for three years, it has not rained. The king is obviously upset because now... There's no harvest. Now there's no crops. There's a drought in the land that he's looking for Elijah. He's been after Elijah. He wants to kill Elijah. He wants to confront Elijah. Ahab is upset because he says, I want to worship whoever I want to worship. And this is human pride that we think that we don't have a worship problem. At the end of the day, not only do we have a worship problem, we have a pride problem in our heart. And so the king is prideful and he's upset. And his assistant finally finds Elijah, and he calls Elijah to come meet with the king. And, and the king and Elijah collide, and, and, and Elijah says, look, look let's, just, let's, just, let's just settle this. Let's go up to a mountain called Carmel, and uh, on that mountain, we're going to settle who's the one and true living God. You and the people of God have been worshiping this God called Baal. Baal was the God of harvest or crops or rain. For three years, he hasn't answered, but let's build an altar up there. You put a bull on it, and if you call on Baal and he answers with fire, then I'll say, that your God is the one true living God. I'm going to build an altar over here and I'm going to call on the Lord God. And if he answers, he's the one true living God. What, what Elijah was trying to do is test the heart of the people because there was about to be a war on Carmel for worship. But the real heart, the real war was happening in the hearts of the people because they didn't know who to worship. There was a mix of worship going on. 
I, I love God, but I, I'm also worshiping Baal. And if we're not careful, we can be the same way. We love God on Sunday, but then we're worshiping the person that we're in a relationship with on Monday or Tuesday, or we're worshiping our job on Wednesday or on Thursday, or we're worshiping things and people on Friday or Saturday, and we put more hope and trust on them, and we spend more time with them than we do with God. And we just say, God's a Sunday kind of God, and then all the other days I'll have it. And he says, it's time to examine the hearts. How many know it's good to examine hearts? First thing I want you to write down is that we need to examine examine our hearts. Somebody say examine. examine. We need to examine. It's good to reflect on the heart sometimes. It's good to reflect on how your heart is at times. It's good to look on the inside at times. I like to take some time and just say, Alex, how are you doing? How's your soul? How's your heart? Have I been given more attention to certain things or certain people than I have with God? It's important that God is first and foremost in my heart. And I think it's important to take time to just reflect and examine. But because we live so busy, sometimes weeks and months will go by and it looks like everything's okay. And it looks like, yeah, God is somewhere in my heart and in my life, but he's not first in my heart and in my life because I haven't taken the time to just sit back and examine. We need to examine, right? We get, we're caught up. We're caught up in social media. We're caught up with work. We're caught up with football practice and dance practice and all these kind of practices. And, and we're caught up with overworking and overtime and two, tri double, triple, four, quadruple overtime. And, and I got to make some money and I got to go and get this degree. And you got more degrees in a thermometer and you got all these things and your time is extremely caught up. And the person that comes in last, last place is God. God just gets a Sunday type of worship. Right? We're so caught up with our schedule with everybody else's lives but ours. Right? We spend time on social media. Did you see so-and-so? Oh, my God. They're in Walt Disney World again. Oh, my God. I love this family. Then we keep scrolling. Look at this family. They went to the beach. Where we keep going. Oh, my God. Look at the lunch that they're eating. That looks amazing. Right? And all of a sudden, we spend more time right, investing our time and investing our eyes in other people's lives. Sometimes it's good just to shut off social media and say, I'm going to invest in my own time, my own marriage, my own life my own kids I got kids I got three of them I forgot I had three kids right it's been a long time since I've seen them right invest time in your own life invest time in your own marriage invest time in your own home social media will have us investing time in everybody else's lives except ours right I'm guilty of it too right we spend hours on that thing and sometimes it's good just to take a break this whole year I've been taking a break since January I just take 30-day breaks 15-day breaks because I want to spend more time in my own life than anybody else's life Right? Just, I just need to examine my heart. Where's my heart? Where's my life? Right? I want to I make sure my heart is right. The book of Deuteronomy, the beginning of the Ten Commandments, the first two commandments was, have no other gods before me and don't make false gods. And as human beings, it's easy to make false gods. We'll make false gods out of everything. You don't call them God. Sometimes we don't call them God. We call them good things. I don't have gods. I have goods. Hello? I don't have gods. I have goods. I have a lot of good things. Good things are great, but if a good thing becomes a God thing, then it's a bad thing. So we got to be careful not to make good things God things in our life. It says, have no other gods before me. Elijah is there and he says, I want you to examine your hearts because you've been worshiping various gods and God alone, only he alone is worthy to be worshiped. 
In fact, God was so upset that he said there's going to be a drought for three years. God is a jealous God. And, and some people will criticize God and say, ah, he's a jealous God. If a God needs to be worshipped, then he must be on an ego trip and he needs self-esteem. Like that's not why God requires us to worship him. And this is not why God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God because he knows that only he alone can heal us, save us, and deliver us. He wants us to be, put him first in our lives because when we put him first, he knows that our lives are going to be awesome. And he knows that life is going to be so much better if you put him first in your life. This is why he's jealous of your worship. He says, why are you worshiping other things? We worship, oh, come on, we worship all kinds of things. Some of us will make it earlier to a sporting event than we do to church. Hello. <laughs> Not you, me. Some of us, some of us will spend more time on social media than we do in the Bible. Some of us will, will give more money to an athlete, to a team, or to restaurants than we do with tithes and offerings. Hello? Not, not you, me. Um, some of us, some of us, I mean, we, we got gods all over the place, and, and God is like, wait, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I want to be first and foremost in your heart, in your mind, in your eye, in your wallet, in your life, in your soul, in your home, with your kids, in your marriage, at your job, at your business place, in yourself. I mean, wherever it is, I want to be first and foremost because I'm going to bless your life. And so he says, there's going to be a drought for three years. And rain stops for three years. And for three years, while there's a drought, they continue to worship this false god. He's the god of rain, but yet for three years, he couldn't make it rain. God will make it rain. <laughs> like, like, this god can't make it rain. Some of us, God is not allowing things to work out in our life, and yet we still continue to go after them. And we still continue to worship things. He told you that relationship wasn't good for you a long time ago. And there's been a drought in that relationship for a long time. And it's been toxic. And God is telling you not to marry that person. But you don't care. You, you forget the drought. You don't listen to God's warning signs. And you continue to go after that relationship. It's been three years of drought. And God tells you don't go down that route. Don't hang out with those friends. I'm trying to show you a purpose and a plan. I'm trying to surround you with people that are going to get you focused. But you still continue it after three years of droughts. That's the way human beings are. And Elijah's like, okay, we're going to settle this. You, you need to build an altar over here. I'm going to build an altar over here. And, and we need to make, number two, write this down. We need to make a decision. We need to decide who we're going to worship. We need to decide who we're going to give our worship to. First Kings chapter 18, if we could put verse 21. Look at what Elijah says when he sees the people of God. He says, came to all the people and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. That word falter, I mean um, waver or, or falter. In the, the NIV it was uh, waver. Waver and falter. Literally what it means is to skip and to hop back and forth. He says, some of you, you are skipping back and forth between God and Baal. And he says, how long are you going to skip? You're, you're jumping back and forth, right? Like one day you're worshiping God, another day you're worshiping Baal. One day you're giving God all your praise, all your wording, and you're bringing him all your crops back then that was offering your tithe. The other day you're worshiping Baal and you're giving him all your, right? Some of us were here on Sunday and we worship God and we give him all our attention and we give him all our glory. But then Monday we're worshiping a relationship, we're worshiping money, we're worshiping the business. And then comes Sunday again, I'm, I'm getting exercise here. I'm getting some squats in. We're worshiping God and we're giving, and then Monday we're back again trying to worship something else. And he says, how long are you going to skip and hop between two gods? How long are you going to falter? How long are you going to waver between two gods? He says, you need to decide in your heart. You know why a lot of people are ineffective in their life and in their relationship with God and their purposes and plans? Ineffection comes from indecision. 
You can't be effective until you decide what you're going to do with your heart. You can't be effective until you decide, wait a minute, this is who I am. This is the God that I worship. I believe his plans and his purposes for my life. I'm going to trust his word. I'm going to trust the word that he's given me. I'm going to trust the word that he's planted in me. I'm going to give him all my worship, all my time, all my giftings, all my talents. God, I give you my life and my life alone. I'm not going to worship nothing else. You will become more effective if you make a decision in your heart on who you're going to serve. Billy Graham said this, the great Dr. Reverend Billy Graham said this, there is no room in the throne of your hearts for two gods. There's no room. You need, you need to make a decision. Elijah, he builds an altar. The false gods, they built an altar. And he says, how long will you falter? How long will you be undecided? Because you're being extremely ineffective. You, you need to decide. Right? The, people, the, the people of God and the false prophets, they, they build this altar to the false God. And, and it says, the Bible, the, you got to read the story, it's amazing. It says that they start, you know, calling on Baal and, and the bull's there, right? It's dead and, and it's waiting for fire to come down. And they're calling on Baal and, and they're saying, Baal, rain down fire. And it says from morning till noon, they're calling on Baal. They're calling on Baal and they're calling on his name. And, and not one single drop of fire, water, nothing comes down. Elijah actually starts mocking them and says, maybe Baal's asleep. Why don't you try saying a little bit louder? Like, you know, Elijah was a bad man, right? Like, he's just like, I, I, I think he, he's, he's in the bathroom. Like, just, just wait a minute. Like, you got to read it. He, re, he really starts mocking the false prophets. And, and after a while, you know, they, they start cutting themselves. They start doing all these things for the false god, and, and Baal never answers. Because no other god can answer the way that God can answer. Some of us are calling on money, on relationships, on things to save us when they can't really save us. Elijah's like, okay, it's my turn now. And Elijah, it says that he rebuilds the altar. He fixes it up. First Kings chapter 18, verse 30, it says that he called the people near to him and he began to rebuild the altar of God. It had been torn down. Some of us this morning, I really believe that God is saying it's time that you build the altar of God back up in your heart. Third and finally, you need to build a place for God. Elijah was intentional. He says he, he got down and I can imagine Elijah and the rest of his people and his assistants building the altar back up brick by brick. And, and Elijah was so bad. Elijah was so, I mean, just a man of faith that it says that he built, he, he even dug up a trench around the altar. And he says, you know what? Fill it with water and splash this whole thing with water because when God rains down fire, you're going to see that my God will even light water on fire. He is that real. He is that good. And he's intentional. See, because when you worship God, you you got to be intentional with your worship like like worship is not a thing that you you just do it on a Sunday this is why we are intentional with our worship this is why we prepare our heart for worship this is why we don't show up late to service and we get here before the rolling before the first song because I want to worship God with all my heart I want to worship God with all my soul I want to worship God with all I've got I don't want to show up at the third song or the fourth song I don't want to wait till next Sunday on Monday I'm going to be intentional on Wednesday I'm going to be intentional on Thursday I'm going to be intentional and it says that Elijah he calls on God and all of a sudden the, the sky just split open and fire comes down and consumes the altar. I want to tell you God wants to consume the altar of your life but you got to build it back up. You got to be intentional to say God I'm going to build you a place. I'm going to build you a place in my heart. I'm going to build you a place in my marriage. I'm going to build you a place in my home. Oh come on if you believe it. Can you lift up your hands and can we worship God together? Come on let's sing it out. Oh Holy Spirit come on. Oh!
Every eye closed. Every single eye closed. Come on, we, I finished a little bit early so that we can worship God for just a moment. Come on, I really feel in my heart, felt in my heart this morning that God is calling some of us to rebuild the altar of our heart. We've been divided, we've been faltering, we've been wavering between two, three, four different gods. God's I wait, I wait till Sunday to worship you, but God's like, I'm not a God to be worshiped only on Sunday. I want to be worshiped and I want to be your Lord and Savior every single day, every single morning, from the moment you open up your eyes to the moment you go back to sleep at night. I want to be first in your life. There's no room in your heart, in the throne of your heart for two gods. God's saying, I want to be first. I want to own your heart. Come on with eyes closed. I want, to, I want us to take just a few moments to examine our heart. Come on, take a few minutes to examine your heart and say, God, what have I been going after? I'm going to check what I've been giving my time to. I'm going to check what I've been giving my gifts and my talents to. I'm going to check what I've been investing all of my life into. God, am I giving you just 10% of my life on Sunday and then 90% I, I forget about you, God? God, am I just giving you Sunday worship and, and not really giving you ownership of my entire life, God? God, am I investing my money more in other things than I am in your kingdom and your name for your honor and for your glory? God, God, examine my heart. Come on, somebody, begin to speak to the Holy Spirit and tell him, Lord, I want you to have all of me. God, I want you to be first in my life. Come on, there's a war for your attention. There's a war for your worship. And I don't know about you, but the only one worth worshiping is the king of kings and the lord of lords come on the bible says that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he alone is lord and lord of all we might as well start on this side of eternity oh come on with hands lifted and with voices raised come on let's worship him in this place come on lift up your voice lift up your worship and tell him jesus come on somebody let's build an altar for god tell him follow me come on let's sing it out
Come on, somebody lift up your hands and say, let heaven come. Tell them, take all of me, take all of me, take all of me. Holy Spirit, you can have all my heart, all my life. Can we lift up our hands across this place? Don't worry about who's to your right. Don't worry about who's to your left. Come on, every eye closed, just hands lifted. Just tell them, let heaven come. Let heaven come. See, while we're allowing this little space right here in services so that we can rebuild the altar. Maybe you're saying, I haven't taken time to read God's word. I haven't talked to God. And forever just just start right now just say God I'm here I, I need to talk to you there's some things that we need to work on there's some things God that I want to work on there's some things that I don't understand God come on just start to talk to God it's just giving God some space that's what building the place for God means give God some space give God some space on your Sunday on your Monday on your Wednesday on your Friday come on give God some space come on let heaven come lift up your hands and tell them come you're first in my heart thank you Jesus have your way have your way Every eye closed, every head bowed. 
I really believe that there's some people in here today that you don't have a relationship with God. You feel far from God. You feel distant from God. You feel like God must love everybody else except you. You're here today and you're listening to me and you're saying, Alex, that's it's probably for the person next to me or for somebody else, but, but definitely it's not for me because I got some sin in my life. I've done some things that nobody knows about it. And God surely probably wants nothing to do with me. I'm here to tell you that God loves you more than you could imagine. In fact, I really believe this is why he's allowing you to hear this because he's for you. He loves you. He knows what you've done, but this is the gospel that even though he knows, he loves you still. The Bible says that God loves us so much, but it also says that it's sin that separates us from God. And me and you, we're sinners. I've sinned, you've sinned. We've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. Sin separates us from God, but God loved us so much that he sent this one and only son, Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. He grabbed my shame. He grabbed all of your shame, all of your mess-ups, all of your mistakes, the things people know about and the things people don't know about. The Bible says that Jesus carried all of the sins of humanity on his shoulders. Jesus went up on a cross and Jesus died for you and he died for me. It was on that cross that Jesus paid the penalty for sin. It was on that cross where my entire life was paid for. It was on that cross that your entire life was paid for. The Bible says that Jesus died on that cross. He went down to a grave. They put him in a grave and they sealed the grave and he was dead for three days. But, but the Bible also says that after the third day, Jesus Christ, he resurrected from the dead and that stone had to be rolled away. And Jesus, he's alive today and forever and he's the hope that you need. He's the answer that you've been looking for. He's the peace that you've been desperately searching for today Jesus he's the answer for all of humanity he loves you and he's waiting for you the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord we will be forgiven and we will be saved with every eye closed with every head bowed all across this auditorium if you're in here today and you say Alex I don't have a relationship with God Alex I feel far from God Alex I got things in my life that people have no idea about but if you're here today you say Alex but I want a brand new life I want a brand new beginning I want a brand new start I want forgiveness of my sins God's waiting for you with arms open wide with every eye closed with every head bowed as the whole church is praying come on for a moment of privacy and for a moment of concentration if you're here today you say Alex I need a relationship with God I want to start brand new I need forgiveness I'm gonna to count to three when I count to three I want you to raise your hand right where you're at I'm not gonna embarrass you I'm not gonna single you out I just want to see you and I believe God is seeing you. At the count of three, raise your hand. I'll see your hand and then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. All across this place. Raise your hand. Come on, as high as you can. As high as you can. Come on, hold it up just for a second. I see you, 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 I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you. see you. Hands raised up all over this auditorium. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace. Thank you for every person making this decision today have your way in our life God seal this moment with your Holy Spirit every person every single person that raised their hand all over this place I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart in fact the entire church we're gonna say this out loud we're gonna say this together as a family and as a community repeat after me say father thank you for today thank you for this opportunity I admit 
that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you Jesus I believe you're the son of God that you died for my sins and on the third day you rose again come into my life be my Lord and be my Savior from today on I am saved I'm forgiven and I'm healed in Jesus name amen amen and amen oh come on church can we give them a big big hand come on come on can we celebrate every person making a decision today